This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. How do you not see that kind of money exiting a bank account or being entered or, or just that kind of activity? The magnitude of what she was taking and the fact that she was able to take that amount and no one said anything until the point of this investigation, it, it really is mind-blowing. Welcome to Killer Questions with Darren Karp. I'm your host, Darren Karp, and today we're talking about the curious case surrounding Kim Boone, a woman some refer to as a real prison wife of Seminole County. And I've got a lot of recordings, like some seriously juicy stuff to share with you. Let's get right into it. In the wee hours of March 29th, 2009, Kim Boone, a wife and mother of two young boys, makes a frantic phone call to 911 begging for help. Kim tells the operator that an intruder has broken into her home and her husband Rob has been shot. As she spoke to the 911 operator, Rob could be heard speaking in the background. We obtained the calls Kim made to 911. Here it is. 911, is an emergency, please? Uh, yes, I need an emergency. Who do I, you need? Uh, somebody just broke in my house and my husband was shot. Your husband was shot? Yes, he's laying here. Please hurry, please hurry. Please. Do you know who it was? No, I don't. Rob, can you hear me? Rob. Rob, he's breathing, but he's not responding to me. Uh, the police officers are here. Was he shot in the back or was he shot in the front? Can we check? We don't know. He said he was shot in the front. He is. He said he shot in the chest. Authorities arrived at Kim's home almost immediately to find Rob laying on the floor, bloody, but still alive and breathing. Police then searched the home, but the intruder appeared to have already fled. Before being taken to the hospital, a disoriented Rob told the deputy that his wife accidentally shot him. 
But Kim, overhearing this, immediately calms her husband down, saying, no, I didn't shoot you, sweetheart. I was in with the boys. I have so many thoughts and feelings and questions about this case. I mean, honestly, I I just can't believe this. I can't believe someone's talking. I can't believe, you know, this guy is just whispering in the background that his wife shot him and she's calming him down. People, this is absolutely just wild to me. Listeners, say hi to this episode's guest, Jessica Lauren. Jessica is an expert investigative journalist who spent a lot of time covering this story. Because guess what? Kim almost got away with it. Welcome to the show, Jessica. It's wonderful to have you here and chat about this absolutely wild case. This is the perfect case where you never know what's behind a closed door. Before we get into all of my WTF questions that I have for you, I just kind of want to know, Jessica, what drew you to this case in the first place? Where did you first hear about it? Oh, my goodness. I I was working as a reporter at the local affiliate, West 2 News, uh, NBC, and detectives were talking about this case. This case had such the buzz because so many people were just intrigued by the audacity, how Kim first tried to portray herself as this battered woman. She uh, was uh, treated so terrible by her husband. It's more how she was putting everybody through a tailspin. I was intrigued by all of the lies and what a great actress she is. Jessica, thank you for joining. Let's get right into one of the most interesting parts of this case for me. So Rob was rushed to the hospital, and it's at this point that the situation becomes a little confusing. Police were unable to find any forced entry or exit points within the home. What's even more, the night before had been very rainy, but detectives couldn't find any sign of the elements tracked into the home. They expected to find mud or soggy shoe prints, but neither were present. Trust me, in a rainy day, you'd think there would be some type of evidence with that. Bullet holes and shell casings indicated that three bullets were shot inside the garage where a window remained open, but crime scene investigators could tell it had been pried open from the inside. Okay, let's look at the facts here objectively. Let's just start with the house. The crime scene already looks very suspicious, almost staged, if you will. You know, the window seemed to be broken into or seemed to be lifted from inside the house, which wouldn't really promote a break in there. But is, isn't is this something that would have been fairly obvious to the police investigating the scene? I mean, even reading a first few lines of this is obvious to me without even having been there. There were so many WTFs here. One of them is the audio from the 911 call. You could hear Rob saying, did you shoot me on the 911 call? The, the scene was staged Everything looked like it was manipulated, and investigators were onto it from the very start. So you sort of mentioned that even on the phone, he says in the background, did you just like accidentally shoot me? Isn't this something that police would have clocked, especially Jessica's insistence that Kim sort of had about shushing Rob and saying, no, I didn't actually shoot you. I was in with the boys. Like, Jessica, isn't this something that police would have noticed immediately that she was silencing a potential victim here? Does that not matter? You know, you think to yourself, what would have been the outcome if it was a if it was the other way around, a male victim, female, right? I mean, we look at this and the response right off the bat, would it have been that way if it was a male or female victim? 
literally in my notes for this case as I was writing everything down, I just thought to myself, if this was an assault situation and there was a battered wife who was calling in and this male husband calls into the police and you hear the woman in the background saying, you just shot me, you just beat me. Uh, And then he's saying, no, no, sweetie, it wasn't me. Someone just broke in and shot you. Like, go to sleep. I feel like the public opinion of it, whether or not the police would have been like, He's guilty. No chance. This is what was outrageous to me. One of the many things that were outrageous in this case is that. How far have we come and how far do we need to go with these types of uh, responses from law enforcement? The snap judgment. Police then searched the perimeter of the home where they found a gun laying in the grass near the front door. And police were already extremely confused as to how Rob had been shot inside, but the gun was now outside. This seems to baffle police, but for me, why is this detail overly confusing? Because couldn't the intruder just have run out of the house and just dropped the gun on the way? Like, just have been like, I'm going to get rid of the weapon. Why did this seem to baffle police? Um, That's baffling to me. The fact that early on, they're just going out and about into the community on this search for this killer when they didn't even look inside first. Kimberly was able to convince people that she was in such serious danger. And there's there's this uh, random person just coming into her house for who knows why, what reason to harm her or her family. So I think she she wanted to drive that narrative really quick, that she was a victim. Her family has been victimized. Hoping to shed some light on the events of the morning, authorities turned to their only available witness, Kim. According to her story, she and Rob put their two sons to bed around 10.30 that night and turned themselves in not long after that. At about five in the morning, Kim claims she's woken up to a strange noise coming from downstairs. Worried it might be an intruder, Kim asks Rob to come down with her to the first floor and see what's making the noise. According to Kim, Rob grabs his gun from his nightstand and the two first check on their children, both of whom are still sleeping soundly. Well, I mean, at least that's good news. From their new vantage point, they are now able to determine the garage door is open. And at this point, neither of them have heard any more strange noises. So Rob suggests that perhaps they forgot to close the door? And the couple then close the door and go back to bed without seeing or hearing anything suspicious. Kim tells the detectives that they had not been in bed for very long before she hears the noise again. This time, she thought it might be coming from one of her children, so she goes down to check on the boys. And as soon as she steps into their bedroom, she hears a sound coming from downstairs that she described as metallic. She immediately calls out for her husband. When he hears Kim scream, Rob runs out of their bedroom and back to the garage to try and find the source of the noise once and for all. Kim states that she hears Rob run down the stairs, open the garage door, followed immediately by two gunshots. So swing open the door, bang, bang. Rob then yells out, I've been shot. And he runs back into the bedroom. As they take her statement, Detectives ask him whether she or Rob had any enemies or whether either of them had ever been a victim of domestic abuse. Kim answers no to both questions. 
this is a really interesting piece of investigation to me because for police to be asking the victim's spouse, Kim here, essentially if they had ever abused them seems... Offensive. Uh, uh, offensive, over the line. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, absurd. Am uh, I right? I'm reading into this correctly, right? You are. <laughs> you're just driving this home. I mean, ridiculous. Um, she. It's even hard to say and because it, it angers me how unbelievable uh, they're even starting off an investigation that way. I mean, here you have a victim that is laying there with gunshot wounds and is is pleading honey did you shoot me and and we're having this like little relaxed conversation mm-hmm. come on uh, it's it yeah it's it's odd timing it's a very odd yeah it almost seems in this case that we're covering right now it just seems like police have their conclusion and now they're trying to backtrack those holes to try and fit that narrative that goes wonderfully with their conclusion of an innocent woman and a male victim here with gunshot wounds in his body. Investigators would later corroborate this with the people who knew the couple. All of the family and friends who police spoke to described the couple's marriage and family life as very happy. Quote, something you would always want to grow up to have. However, as the investigation continues, they do become concerned about some of the holes in Kim's story and ultimately ask her to return to the station to help clarify what exactly had occurred the night her husband had been shot. They assure Kim that she's not under arrest and that she was simply helping them piece together the facts. In this new interview, the police tell Kim that they did not believe a break-in occurred. All the evidence they discovered pointed to Kim having staged the home to look like someone else had broken in. Detectives also tell Kim that they may believe that she either staged the scene and shot Rob herself, or that she had let someone else into the house and gave them the gun to shoot her husband. Again, no forced entry here, no signs of forced entries that we could see. Kim vehemently denied both claims. Police then wonder whether the gun might have gone off by accident, but Kim continues to deny ever having shot the gun. Now, Jessica, I kind of understand Kim denying staging this scene, you know, because that makes her look incredibly guilty. So obviously I get that. But why would she deny ever having possession of the gun? That just seems like something that you're going to get caught doing. You know, they say criminals aren't as smart as detectives. And she <laughs> just wanted to detach herself from having any connection with the gun at all. So she didn't think that that they would be able to pin that to her. But also, she's got this story about intruder that nobody seems to be questioning. People seem to automatically believe that there was intruder. Why wouldn't she just take the easy out and say she had a gun, checked it out? got scared, her husband came up behind her, and then she accidentally shot him. Wouldn't that seem like this accidental thing that happened, but also a case of self-defense and a scared woman? That is believable to me. You know what? 100%. But she wanted to stick to this story until the evidence started proving her words were all false. Luckily, Rob manages to survive the attack and is finally able to share his story with police. Now, during his interview, Rob tells detectives that he's gone out to the garage while Kim stayed with their two sons in their bedroom, armed with their handgun. 
As soon as he'd taken a single step through the garage door, he felt the gunshot. Rob recalled seeing his wife with the gun and asked, Kim, did did you shoot me? Thinking at first it may have been an accident. Well, of course, also the shock from being shot by a gun. I mean, that's fair. This kind of makes sense, right? They'd already admitted to walking around with a loaded gun thinking there was an intruder. The gun totally could have gone off without it being anyone's fault. The detectives relayed Rob's side of the story to Kim. And Kim continues to deny shooting the gun here. She holds firm to her claim that Rob had their gun in his hand as he investigated the noise. I guess it would kind of make sense that the person checking out the sound would be the one with the protection. You know, he's kind of leading this manhunt here. However, the forensic team finds evidence that casts even more doubt on Kim's story. There's gunshot residue on the clothing Kim was wearing when Rob got shot. Can you elaborate a little bit about how gunshot residue works and how detectives test for it? Is this something Kim could have gotten on her person if she weren't in the immediate vicinity of the gun being fired? Could she have been in a different room? Could she have gotten it after she touched Rob, after he was shot, if she went over to him? What can you kind of shed some light on with that? I mean, evidence like that is just so strong. I mean, they... From my understanding is detectives had far beyond reasonable doubt to convict her to the point that she was willing to take a plea deal and wanted a plea deal. The fact that you have residue on you, on your person, you cannot be in another room. You cannot be anywhere else but really close to that victim. And if no one else was there... Who else would have pulled the trigger? According to Kim, she had been in her children's room when the shots were fired. How can that be? Investigators spent hours questioning Kim, continuing to present her with the growing amounts of evidence, indicating their recount of the morning's events could not possibly be the whole truth. Kim simply kept refusing to change her story or shed any light onto what might have actually happened. So it looks like somebody is trying to set this up to look like a burglary, that there was somebody inside the house. There's somebody broke in. <laughs> you broke out. The way this thing was set up, it was a breakout. There's sand outside that window, dirt. There's no shoe prints out there. That to break in, to break out, doesn't make no sense. I'm not saying it makes any sense. If you look at all the facts, everything's kind of pointing to you, where you had someone come over the house and you gave them the gun. I didn't. He said you already had the revolver from the nightstand. And you had the revolver when you were searching the garage. Okay. Is that correct? No, he had it. Okay. Is there a reason that you think he would lie about that? No. And we're eventually going to find out what happened. If there's okay. something on your clothes, there's gunshot residue on your clothes or your arms that comes back positive. Mm-hmm. How are you going to explain that away? There would be no explaining it away. How many times did you fire at him? <laughs> I would never ever see Rob. So if I said that we know for a fact that there's gunshot residue on your clothes, what would you say? I would disagree. Why would you disagree? Because I, I didn't shoot him. We want to hear from what happened. Everything that you're reliving back in your mind for the last couple hours we've been in here. And a lot's come, some's come out and some's come back. 
Like what? Just it. I carried the gun into the garage. I had it. I don't know what I did with it after that. You were the last to have the gun. In the garage. You were in the garage. Rob walks in. He's shot from someone with a gun in the garage. I don't know how that sounds. I don't know how that looks. I do not... I do not think I fired the gun. Who did then? It freaking amazes me how many times that Kim keeps just changing her story here. She eventually budges a little bit or gets a little vulnerable and kind of starts stating that, yes, she carried the gun into the garage. She had it, but she doesn't know what she did with after that. But she never fired the gun and she doesn't know exactly who shot the gun. Again, the way that Kim is choosing to dish out truths, and I'm using truths in air quotes because it's kind of hard to say what's truth and not with her stories changing, in such this piecemeal way to sort of give these nuggets of information that we just keep following down on these little treasure hunt trails doesn't seem to make sense to me. Do you have any insight as to why she decided to slow roll stuff like this? I mean, is it just a matter of her thinking she's better than us? Like, that she's smarter than us? That she's smarter than the police? I think she did think she could outsmart the experts and that her acting ability was just so uh, perfect that she could get away with it. And she, she had in the community that she was this respectable person to have this perfect marriage, wonderful children, everything's great. That why would anyone think that she would be a killer? Why would anyone ever point the finger in her direction? It's the image that she portrayed out into the community that I think she thought she had everybody fooled. Well, plausible deniability is a real thing. But how does a person not understand that when they change their stories 9,000 times or give details later on that it wouldn't make them look incredibly guilty? Why did she decide to change her story now? Just Keep with it. Double down on the lie, Jessica. Like, <laughs> you know, you know, this, and this is something I wonder, too. Is it that narcissistic people, sociopathic narcissistic people, get so intricate with their details and, and so tangled in a web of their lies that they forget their own lies and the lies they've told this detective and they told that neighbor. I think she ended up getting so confused by her cockamamie stories that she couldn't even, uh, she couldn't continue on. She was forgetting her own lies and it ended up catching up like the domino effect and boom. It's Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's over. Kim was arrested on the charge of attempted murder and sent to Seminole County Jail. Thirteen hours after Rob was shot, Kim called her mother and had the following conversation, which was recorded by authorities. This call will be recorded and subject to monitoring at any time. You may begin speaking now. What is going on with you? I mean, I'm like in trouble. I shot Rob. Well... It was an accident, though. I mean, they just put me in jail. Well, you know you're innocent, so... One minute remaining. Try to keep your composure. Don't get yourself too upset. Okay. You know I'm upset, but I'm trying to... All right, bye. Bye. Kim apparently didn't believe that she would be convicted because the shooting was, quote-unquote, accidental. This is a big term here, people, that we're going to get into. Detectives continue to search for any evidence that there were problems in the Boone's marriage, hoping to discover maybe a motive that might have led to the shooting. Okay, guys, the next part of the story is a little wild. It almost feels like my boss, Andy Cohen. It would be perfect for the Real Housewives, I got to say. But trust me here, all of this actually happened. While in jail, Kim befriended another inmate, Anita Smythe. Oh, yeah, that Anita Smythe, my true crime buddies. For those of you who don't know Anita Smythe, oh my God, where have you been? Where have you been hiding? Okay, let me just catch you up on this. Anita had been arrested for shooting her estranged husband after a sexual encounter. Anita shot her husband in the chest, then called 911 in a panic, telling the operator that she didn't want him to die. As she waited for the police to arrive, Anita stabbed herself in the abdomen, later admitting to the police that she had done it, hoping to claim the shooting as self-defense. 
Holy cow. I mean, what are the chances that Kim and Anita meet in the same lockup? And get this, not only did they meet there, they then become best friends. Like, what the fuck? Now, Anita would plead guilty to second-degree murder and got off with time served. And when Anita gets out of prison, she calls Kim to talk. Of course, all of Kim's prison phone calls are very closely monitored here. And as police listen to her conversations with Anita, detectives are handed a game-changing piece of info. Rob wrote about how he wakes up every night, removing the horror of waking up in a burning house. Really? Oh, my gosh. And he said he had post-traumatic stress disorder. And I'm thinking, you aren't waking those four months, you know, after the fire before you go shot. <laughs> yeah, really. You hear that, right? There was a house fire in the Boone residence just three months before the shooting occurred. I want to kind of get into that. My dad calls it getting historical, not getting hysterical. And I think it's kind of important to get historical here uh, with Kim Boone. Kim had told investigators at the time that the fire, one of the many fires, fire had likely started because she had accidentally left a scented candle burning on her nightstand. And the fire was deemed an accident. Granted, I'm a candle lighter. I'm an incense lighter. Is it possible people fall asleep? And this happens 100 percent. That is a believable story. but. Do we know why the fire was ruled accidental? What factors were sort of considered with the fire department to rule this an accidental possible candle burning incident? There just wasn't enough evidence that would secure reasonable doubt. Everyone thought that there this was not a coincidence, that this was not an accident. Nobody believed that. But it's a whole different ballgame in court. They didn't have enough to take to court. And that's the only reason why this was ruled accidental. However, Rob and his mother, Joan, just weren't so sure. When police spoke to Joan Boone, she informed them that Rob was the only one home when the blaze began and that he was almost killed. Two of the Boone's neighbors rushed over to help when they noticed the smoke and had to pull an extremely disoriented Rob through a window to save him. Now, Rob had spent 15 years working as a firefighter, people, and felt that the reason he hadn't been injured was because I was trained. I was eating the tile, end quote, meaning probably low to the ground, knowing how kind of fire and smoke inhalation works. And when they spoke to Rob, police learned that he had asked him for a divorce only 10 days before the fire had occurred. He also told police that there were no candles burning in the room where he lay down to take a nap. I know this happens before the shooting incident, but my God, how many more times can this poor fucking dude's wife literally try to kill him? How about get a divorce, run for your life, <laughs> yes. get the heck out of there. I mean, good grief. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, if I was ever um, in a house that was about to explode, I mean, what in the heck did this guy was like sticking around after that? Who does that? Okay, now detectives didn't believe the timing of the fire to be a coincidence for a second. Police searched Kim's computer and learned that eight days before the fire broke out, Kim had searched for some incredibly incriminating phrases on her personal computer, including, what causes house fires? And can Xanax stop your heart? The day after the fire, Kim had searched for, how do fire marshals determine cause of fire? And science of determining cause of house fire. It's then that they got one of the biggest breaks in the case they learned that Kim had been married twice before Rob to Dennis Richards and Edward Rettery. 
What made the police look into her previous marital status now? Why didn't they look before? Why is this information just coming out now? Is this usually something that police kind of do after the fact, Jessica? It's unfortunate. Sometimes the first time around in cases, a lot of detectives, district attorneys, insiders really have strong suspicion that they know who their prime number one suspect is. And there's no question that everybody was on to Kimberly Boone. Did they have enough evidence the first time around to to bring her in and secure a successful conviction uh, and and present enough to say 100% you did this? They didn't have that the first time around. Police contacted Edward Rattery, hoping to get a better understanding of Kim. Edward shared that throughout their marriage, Kim was extremely self-centered and deceitful, describing her as, quote, a big piece of shit. Best way I could describe her. That's the way I felt about her and ain't nothing changed, end quote. Edward stated that Kim had cheated on him throughout their relationship. At one point, he'd even caught her in bed with someone else. This might explain the big piece of shittiness he's describing. The police also reach out to Dennis Richards, who was also able to provide a great detail of insight into Kim's behavior. Now, according to Dennis, when he started talking about the possibility of divorce with Kim, she would simply become enraged, even threatening to kill him. At one point, Kim had even pulled a gun out of the cabinet and loaded it. When Dennis tried to call the police, Kim pulled the phone out of his hand. There was also a fire in the Richards' home while the two were still married. Dennis told detectives that he smelled smoke coming from the basement. He searched for the source and found that a rag had been stuffed into the top of a kerosene container and set on fire. Luckily, Dennis was able to put out the fire before it became too big. And afterwards, Dennis found Kim sitting in the living room. When he accused her of setting the fire, Kim denied it, suggesting and said that someone must have broken into the house to set it. Wow, someone had broken into the house to set it. Like, seriously? This woman and her lies, they're just so bad. Now, Dennis never reported the incident to the police or fire department. Probably a mistake. However, he did go to the hospital, make sure he hadn't been injured. And this visit included a toxicology report. Now, the report showed that Dennis had Xanax present in his system and he didn't use Xanax, but Kim had an active prescription for the drug. Armed with this new evidence gathered against Kim, combined with the holes in her story about Rob's shooting, detectives charged Kim with attempted murder and arson. But wait... There's more people. Detectives then speak to some of Kim's most recent former co-workers and learned a key piece of information that shed a great deal of light onto Kim's potential motive for murder. Okay, get this. Kim had a history of embezzling exceedingly large sums of money from her employers. In fact, as the police dug deeper, they learned that she had stolen in excess of $900,000 from four companies in Maryland and Virginia. So Kim starts working for this one company in 2004, handling payroll and other financial matters. The company starts to become suspicious of Kim when they discover she has made a $10,000 wire transfer to pay off her personal credit card. And get this, when they look into the matter, they learn that over the years, Kim had stolen in excess of $765,000. How does someone steal three quarters of a million dollars before getting caught? I'm impressed, I almost have to give it to her. That's wild to me. I'm not sure I could even get away with it. Oh, and by the way, that wasn't all they discovered. Kim hadn't paid federal withholding taxes for the company in three years, which had left them with an outstanding $380,000 tax bill. Okay, sidebar for a second. 
if you stole $765,000, like where are you going with that money? Because I would not be where I am today. Like I would definitely get the hell out of Dodge, go to Europe, maybe an island. I don't even, I don't even know what three quarters of a million dollar kind of looks like, but I just got to know where the hell you're going. And are you guys ready to hear how Kim spent this? At least what we know of. Kim used the money to downpay the mortgages on the Boone's two homes in $50,000 increments. Holy shit, Jessica. This is probably the craziest part of the story so far, okay? Outside of her marriages, outside of the Xanax, outside of the fires, outside of the guns. All about the money, baby. It seems that she stole almost a million dollars from this company. And nobody knew is this possible? Is this willful ignorance? Like, how the fuck is this going down? How do you not see that kind of money exiting a bank account or being entered or or just that kind of activity, the magnitude of what she was taking and the fact that she was able to take that amount and no one said anything until the point of this investigation, it, it really is mind-blowing. Yeah, this case to me is more psych- like a case in psychology, a case study in psychology on both ends, not only on Kim, but on Rob as well, because this is a lot of money. This is not we're not talking about like a grand here and a grand there. We're talking seven figs. I mean, did Rob truly not know for so many years? How do you not suspect anything weird when your wife suddenly has hundreds of thousands of extra dollars? Like you must know at least ballpark range what you can and cannot afford. And she's got two mortgages, for example. Wouldn't you say like, hey, by the way, babe, how are we affording this? Like I, I make I make minimum wage. How are we affording this? You know, and that's that is really, really good questions. And this is a question that all of us will continue to have regarding this case. And that's why it leads us to think maybe he did know, maybe he was in on it. Maybe he liked the money coming in. Like, how do we know that Robert wasn't aware of this? We're all assuming a lot here. Yeah, money, uh, money's very attractive, I gotta say. And no matter who you are, I mean, you get comfortable, you get used to a lifestyle, you want that extra house. Sometimes I guess it doesn't really matter, you know? Like, it's a don't ask, don't tell type of situation, for lack of a better term here. Like, that is just what it is. And I think willful ignorance is definitely a possibility. How was this theft in the company, though, not traced to her? I mean, was her plan to try and pay it back using her husband's life insurance money? Because it, it seems like such a small drop in the bucket when she owes almost a million dollars for these $100,000 life insurance policies. I mean, that's not really going to make that much of a dent. Things were catching up to her. She was starting to fall behind. People were starting to connect the dots with her. And I think she had this grand master plan that that she could correct this. And by correcting the last thing she did, she could take insurance money from a house fire or she could get it back this way or do this. I mean, it was constant manipulating and constant uh, trying to, to backpack, backpedal. And it just was getting too heavy, too much. She was in way over her head. It's possible she could have been running a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Like she's stealing from Peter to pay Paul. Oh, yeah. And there's always going to be a negative in the column here. And so I guess one of two things is probably true. And I'm curious to see if you so either Rob 
either either Rob knew that this was going down and was happy to have these houses, happy to have the money, live in that life, and was just kind of okay with it, or he had absolutely no idea what was going down and just kind of was like, maybe my wife is just a maverick in her job. And I don't know because I would think that if he did know as a human being, he would be morally outraged by this and at least suspicious of his wife. I mean, you would think so. I mean, the extent that people will go to get what they want I mean, we do know with this case that he was the recipient of the insurance policy and ended up getting, I believe it was $130,000. A nice chunk of change. A nice chunk of change. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay, I'll take $130K. Okay, I, I'm, con- I'm convinced now. I'm convinced. While listening to more of Kim's prison phone conversations with Anita, police recorded the following conversation. And what they're saying is the reason supposedly that I wanted to kill Rob because I owe this money. No. Yeah. So I used to take like a couple hundred grand out and I just took it out and opened like another bank account for us when all the banks were failing and, you know, yeah. have it protected and stuff. Oh, okay. So they were doing it for the company. Exactly. Probably, you know, in hindsight, looking back, you know, I overstepped my bounds. The DA offered Kim a deal of 25 years in prison in exchange for a guilty plea of attempted murder for Rob's shooting. The judge encouraged Kim to take the deal, of course, letting her know that if the case went to trial, she could actually be facing up to 30 years in prison. Kim, for whatever reason, she turns down this deal and goes to trial. Okay, I gotta talk to you about the ruling here. Kim, either being... The biggest risk taker I've ever talked about or just so doubling down on this narcissism she's got, turns down the deal, goes to trial, and she's acquitted. How the hell is she acquitted? How did a jury not find Kim guilty of shooting Rob? Is it really just come down to beyond a reasonable doubt and maybe there is an intruder? I wish I could get inside the minds of those jurors, what a game face this woman would put on. I mean, she played the the victim and, oh, she was in this terrible circumstance and this, this, everybody believed it. She had everybody, the jurors, I should, I shouldn't say everybody believed it, but she had a lot of people fooled and, and it was how she was skilled and, and her, her trial attorneys must have really coached her through this well. She played that victim role. She stuck to it. And man, I was I was shocked and angered. There's hard evidence and there's soft evidence to me. And this this is a lot of soft evidence where it's like, she's a woman. She's giving you the sob story. Like that is going to play a part in the jurors. It's going to tug at their emotional heartstrings, right? Because I want to ask, ask you what factors sort of weighed into their decision. But talking to you, it just feels like the soft evidence count you know overweighed the hard evidence that's clear fucking cut to me when you when you look at all of the factors that this case encompassed and you look at all of the evidence and the people and the players and these circumstances that are just too coincidental it it really is unbelievable that she was acquitted of murder 
I, I am baffled by it till this day. How much how much do you attribute that to the media covering this case? Uh, how, how big of a factor was media in this trial? The media just they latched onto this case. It, it was unbelievable. The media was infatuated with this case. They were infatuated with her. They were infatuated with Kimberly Boone and Anita Smythe. The media kept pushing out these updates from trial. They kept showing us snippets in court and she she just looked like this poor defenseless battered woman. And really, I think, tugged on the emotional strings of the public and the media was releasing this narrative of her. And there was a, actually outcry for for her that she's being put through such a thing. And, and oh, this is so terrible. We need to release her immediately. And, and it's, it's awful that she's even being portrayed as somebody who would do something like this. I think the media had a huge hand in the outcome of her case and being acquitted. That's that's definitely my stance on that. Kim's story doesn't end there. The DA was not about to let her walk away. In October of 2011, the DA charged Kim with a second count of attempted murder, this time for the fire she had set in the bedroom she shared with Rob three months before the shooting. Remember with that supposedly scented candle. Now, at trial, Rob took to the stand to testify against his now ex-wife. The two had divorced in 2009, a few months after the shooting. Keep that in mind. Rob told the jury about his family's dire financial state, so it appears that Kim had been embezzling money from her job. When he finally confronted her about it, she assured him that she had not stolen anything, and Rob informed her that if he found out otherwise, he planned to take the kids and leave. Ten days before the fire, Rob asked Kim for a divorce. He then spoke about the night of the fire, stating that he had asked his wife to get him a glass of water and became ill shortly after drinking it. Kim had suggested that he was just tired and should go lay down. She then took the family car and left the house just a few minutes before the blaze broke out, which is either very lucky or very suspicious. The defense team argued that Rob himself may have caused the fire, citing his family's financial distress as motive. Rob received a hundred grand payout from his homeowner's insurance policy after the fire that went into his personal account. Now, Rob argued that this was because he no longer trusted Kim with joint finances. And after jury deliberation, the jury found Kim guilty of Rob's attempted murder as well as arson. Do you have any insight as to why Kim was found guilty of arson, but not the shooting? It seems like there was way more evidence pointing towards her being guilty of the shooting with the staged crime scene, the gunshot residue example, her kept changing her frickin story 900 times. Why arson, not shooting? I wish I knew the answer to that question. And I think a lot of people wish they knew the answer to that question. I don't. And I think that I can only say what I think. And I I think that it was an attempt from the state to present lower charges and to see if, if they went with that, if she would go along with it and take the lesser of the charges. I think it should have been the other way around. I think she, I, I feel like there was more fingers pointing for the the other. I mean, I, I don't know. It's confusing. Kim was sentenced to 35 years in prison. Kim remains in prison to this day and is scheduled to be released in 2043. 
What's interesting here is at the time of her sentencing, Kim was indigent and the state was actually required to pay her legal costs. So now the taxpayers have to fund this woman's prison sentencing after she embezzled her own company out of a million dollars. It's just like, I would never have the balls to do anything like this. She's got a big pair. A huge pair. Huge cannonballs. Narcissist. Oh, man, Jessica, thank you so much. That was awesome. Especially you singing narcissism at the end, really, I think, uh, was the peak of it. (laughs) Was the peak of it. Glad to help. Jessica, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with me about my questions around this case. We will continue to keep an eye on any developments one way or the other. One thing is for sure, though, regardless of my own questions about this case, we hope justice was served for the family who have gone through a lot. For you guys listening to the show, what are your killer questions for this case? You can message me on social media at Carpe Darren. I'm Darren Carp. Thanks for listening to Killer Questions. For even more true crime from ID, and you want that, head to Discovery Plus. Go to discoveryplus.com slash killer questions to start your seven-day free trial today. That's discoveryplus.com slash killer questions. Terms apply. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.